Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. I'm here with Greg, and uh, today we have an article and kind of a lighter topic for our Friday show. So first we start off with uh, a development that's been going on for quite a while. This has kind of been the year in uh, regulators trying to figure out how to regulate crypto. And uh, the major players have been the SEC, of course, but also the CFTC, which is the uh, uh, Commodities uh, Trade Commission. And uh, they're responsible for overseeing a lot of the, uh, the futures trade uh, in commodities. But uh, essentially what seems to be happening is they're settling into some kind of compromise. While there's no legislation agreed to yet, it appears that Bitcoin and Ethereum are likely to be treated as commodities and therefore fall under the purview of the CFTC's regulations, while pretty much every other cryptocurrency will be considered a security and therefore fall, fall under the SEC's jurisdiction for regulation. So, like I said, Greg, you know, this is not quite a done deal, but there's been so much conversation happening this year that it seems like this is where we're headed. So uh, in that light, uh, do, you, do you like that arrangement? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think it just makes it even more messy, honestly, because now we're trying to split hairs onto which crypto should be managed by which division. And is there going to be fights about it? Because you know, within the divisions and what, I mean, I just feel like there needs to be one group that is in charge of all of crypto regulation and you can't kind of split them up like this. Cause it's like, especially like Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're the two biggest cryptos, but they're very, very different in how they operate. So it, it's, it's weird. It's not like they're setting a precedent where they're saying everything with a smart contract has to be a security and if it doesn't have a smart contract, it can be considered a commodity. You know, it's their kind of, I don't really know how they're splitting it up, honestly. It's its still kind of confusing to me. Yeah, the, I mean, you're right. I feel the same way that the distinguishing characteristic is, is this a security or not? And how exactly that's being determined is, at least whenever I see Gensler or anyone from the SEC talk about it, they're trying to apply existing security rules, but eventually you have to get to what you said is, are, are you distinguishing along the lines of smart contract or no smart contract? Or, because you're, I, I also agree, like if you're really gonna peel these out into two groups, I could see the argument for Bitcoin being treated as its own thing and maybe everything else on the other side, if you really wanna split them up. I don't, like if Ethereum now is going to be considered a commodity, is anything, I mean, couldn't there be a case to be made that any other protocol operating on the Ethereum network should also fall under that purview? Or or how about, um, it just, it, it seems odd, I guess. Ethereum kind of seems like an odd choice to lump in with Bitcoin. Exactly. That Yeah, that's kind of my point. And I'm wondering if it's almost, are they going by decentralization? Like if it's a quote unquote, completely decentralized network that they're considering that a commodity then? It's just mm -hmm. kind of, I wish they would come out with a little more clear guidance and I understand it's, you know, an evolving and a new market. Um, so, you know, it's kind of being made on the fly, but also I thought it was kind of interesting that um, Gary said that we've got a hundred million or a hundred trillion dollar capital market. Crypto is less than $1 trillion worldwide, but we don't mm -hmm. want that to somehow undermine what we do elsewhere. It almost seems like he's saying the SEC is 
concentrating a little too much on crypto right now and he wants to pass some of that off, but he doesn't want to pass all of it off. That's an interesting perspective that at my gut actually agrees with that because I mean, I think that's how you have to take that quote, which is like, <clears throat> this is a headache for them. This, they probably spent so much time and energy on it this year. Meanwhile, um, yeah, there's a lot of existing laws for traditional securities, but there's like a shit ton of fraud and um, policing that they're responsible for, for, you know, $100 trillion worth of other things. And yeah, I mean, to, to be tied up so much with this relatively small market is probably a pain in the ass. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how much you're offloading. It, you know, if you're offloading Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's still hundreds of not thousands of other coins out there and um i haven't looked at the market caps lately i'm sure bitcoin and ethereum together make up the majority but um you know there are stable coins would fall under the sec's regulation now uh it's still gonna be a, a lot of work for like you said a relatively small market um but uh just a quick interject they make up about 60 percent of the market cap right now yeah. So you're. And then you have, yeah, like you said, then you have, you know, uh, USDT and USDC make up another 10% of the market. So mm -hmm. that's 70% of the market before you get into any of the other coins. Yeah. And I want to go back to the point you made about decentralization possibly being used as a criteria for distinguishing between whether or not something is a commodity or a security. And it, that was a point that was brought up by, by Gensler, I believe, pointing to you know, why Bitcoin would be better off as a, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure there's other criteria, but if that is, I, I feel like that's even a bigger can of worms because um, I think you're just going to push people now to, you know, if that wasn't primary criteria, then wouldn't you just push for a decentralized uh, application then to, then you get to avoid SEC oversight. It, it And then of course there's, there's uh a million shades of gray between what is actually fully decentralized and fully centralized. Um, I guess we kind of keep coming back to this. Uh, yeah, right. Cloudy, I mean, do you consider criteria? Is fifty percent decentralized enough? Does it have to be a hundred percent? Or what even it? Like you said, what even is a hundred percent decentralized? Like, what does that even look like? Is that mm -hmm. even possible? <laughs> like, you you kind of need a you don't need a figurehead, but you need somebody to kind of be doing stuff and leading the way in order to build these protocols. I mean, you look at most of the major top protocols, they have a group of people or a single person at the top that's kind of leading the way in order to keep them on track for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Now, the other side is that um, the CFTC doesn't quite have the resources of the SEC. So um, I'm interested how enforcement would play out in this scenario where let's say that you have um, Tornado Cash is a good example. Now, there was a lot of, you know, they shut down Tornado Cash in a couple of different ways. They went after some people, but um, let's say you have a protocol, but it uses both um, security like stable coins and other cryptocurrencies, but there's also plenty of Bitcoin and Ethereum that wash through every single protocol. Um, like who's, the rules might change, but who's enforcing those rules? Um, what if there's a very large fraud committed just by using uh, Bitcoin uh, or just using Ethereum. Like, 
again, another case for why splitting this up might um, just create more problems. Well, and you look at a lot of when fraud happens, a lot of the time they're then moving the money into Ethereum or Bitcoin because those are the two most liquid cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's like what if the fraud was committed on a Cosmos chain that's considered um, a security and then they move the money over to Ethereum, which is considered a commodity like is that then both the jurisdictions going after them or what? Yeah, it's it just I think it creates more problems at the yeah. moment until they really clarify it. And that's kind of one of the things this article did go into that they say it's more of a matter for Congress to probably get into and to hopefully set some actual somewhat concrete rules so that we can, you know, figure out what exactly is going on here and people can do what they need to do to register or whatever in order to be legal where they want to operate. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of these, they want to be legal. They want to operate under the correct, you know, jurisdiction and everything. But it's like, if they're not going to give us um, exact rules on what needs to be done, then it's like, what are we supposed, what are people supposed to do really? Yeah. I think there are in the beginning was a lot of pushback towards any regulation and whether it's, I don't believe that most people in crypto are embracing it so much as they're just resigned to it. And they're like, fine, just figure out the yeah. rules so that we can get some consistency. Um, so yeah, it sounds like, you know, it, it, the SEC has kept like a healthy arms distance. Like this is what we think, this is what we think we should be done, but you know, we're going to try to pursue action where we think it's relevant, but there's clearly been some hesitation. And I think it's in that vein of, you know, Congress just needs to set some new rules. Let's just, get this shit done with. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we get some clarity sooner than later, but um, yeah. well, like you said, I mean, you get, you get something set and then you can argue against or for it from there. But if there's no law to argue against, then what are people supposed to do? Like that's kind of the whole point of the legal system is that once there's a law in place, you can then challenge it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise that. we're stuck in this loop of trying to apply existing security laws. And in that case, everything's going to be treated like a security, but you know, hopefully we get some clarity. Hopefully, you know, adequate funding is there to protect investors. Uh, but we'll see. This seems to be where we're headed, a split between the CFTC and SEC, but it's not a done deal yet. Um, but that being said, I think we can keep an eye on that and move on. We just have a few minutes left. So I thought it might be kind of uh, fun for Friday to uh, step on our time machine, Greg. And my question to you is that it's well, it's been a wild few years uh, investing in crypto, and I'm wondering if you could go back in time three years to September 2019, before COVID and before the giant, insane market we had, the bull and the bear, uh, what's like the one thing you would have done differently? It has to be crypto related and obvious, and if you have a favorite coin you invested in, fine, but if you could have done anything differently three years ago, knowing what you know now, what would it have been? I mean, I think one thing I did want to put a little bit of a rules on this, so no like saying, okay, buy Ethereum and then sell it at... Yeah, okay, December, that's fair. You know, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, so like keeping it out of that, I would say probably um, something somewhat vague would be invest in smart contract platforms. Because mm -hmm. if you look at like Ethereum, it was at, so I have the old uh, charts up. It was at $171 on September 1st of 2019. So even if you would have held it all the way till today, you'd still be up 10X on your money. Mm. 
Okay. And you look at some of the other, like Bitcoin was at about $10,000. So, I mean, you'd be two, three X your money, but not really up a whole ton in the terms of crypto. Um, And some of the other top coins, I mean, like Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, they're no longer up there. Um, Bitcoin Saver, that's not really like, you know, it's a lot of the top coins are not there anymore. So I think my big thing would be investing in the top. I mean, invest in the top two coins and invest in smart contract platforms. Oh, and Mm -hmm. Binance Coin, BNB, that did really well. That was at $21 back in September of uh, 2019. And I think it's over it's at least a couple hundred dollars so oh, what about all my coins that'd be another thing i it? sold a bunch of stuff back in 2019. oh <laughs> so yeah don't, don't sell, sell anything stuff. so what about besides buying and selling certain coins is there anything that you would have that you would have done differently or something you would have done would not have done um i think i'd wish i just got involved more earlier i didn't really get like super invested until uh 2020 um in a lot of stuff like later in 2020 i wish if i would have been able to like just really get into crypto and like kind of get um some of the more content stuff started earlier i think that would have been that would have been big but it's it's you know it's hard to obviously hindsight's 2020 on that yeah yeah what about what about you what would you do um so apart from kind of buying and selling certain stuff um generally my i have two ideas and they both kind of revolve around the last thing you said just getting involved a little more uh earlier on because we had DeFi summer we had the nft craze so one of my first ideas was um release an nft totally forgot about that we had (laughs) we i mean we're still pretty close We, we still might pop this NFT off at some point, but we got so close and then it was just the worst timing in the world. And I mean, um, honestly, yeah, if you would have launched one back then, like you could, it yeah. could have been literally anything and you could sell out like Summer, the Oh craze. yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, no, and we actually have some good, we got some good like utility ideas too behind that. So I think it would have been, would have been really cool because in the beginning during the craze, there, there really wasn't, there was like, Hey, join the DAO and that's it um yeah, right. so yeah we'll, we'll invest in other uh other nfts for you like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, release an nft was one and then the other one was um i would have uh uh prophesized luna's fall but like <laughs> but like to the minute like i would have said like it's gonna break at this time on this day and then it's gonna recover Dude. to this level and then it's gonna disintegrate and do will do you know quan will do this yeah. and in that way i would have uh swung myself into the summer with like a ton of like um like credibility and uh i would have been yeah. the, I mean, the oracle honestly if you could have <laughs> traded that if you could have well, actually known yeah. traded that like mm-hmm. but yeah obviously being able to just <laughs> predict that would would be amazing is that yeah, your alt account then, the guy who predicted it jake <laughs> yeah no i i i think that's the other thing if i'm doing this if i'm going back in time i'm putting my name on everything put my face on everything because <laughs> right. i'm clearly i'm back to the future style betting on all this stuff and i want people to know that i've yeah and then of course then what's today's date september 9th yeah so September 9th, 2022 comes along and all of a sudden all of my predictions stop working. Yeah. Hey, well, that's uh, when you retire. You know, you got a little too much stress from the crypto market. You got I would hope, I would hope to God that in three years, 
of having perfect knowledge of the future. I could figure out a way to <laughs> retire comfortably. If not, I deserve to work forever. <laughs> yeah, if you could play the the Luna and then short it right at the top. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, which I'm sure there were some people that got pretty close on that. Yeah. Which, good for them, man. <laughs> yeah, but- uh, well, I really like those though, those are, those are two good ones. Yeah, yeah, but- uh, Hey, you know, it's uh, the market ain't dead yet. We'll get an opportunity to do some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, it's well, actually going pretty crazy today, man. Oh, really? I I've been. Oh, yeah. I've been checking go in. Look at your, yeah, go look at your Twitter feed. Everybody's, everything's up like 10 to 20% right now. Well, the uh, S&P and the Dow are both up and the NASDAQ's up. I mean, this is a point that we kind of kicked around a little bit Um you know, correlations are still very high, especially on the mm -hmm. downside between crypto and traditional markets. It's, um, they, they tend to move together more and more. Um, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily a bad or a good thing. It's just, um, you know, it, but it is a clear, noticeable pattern. So, um, yeah, you made a good point, though. As more traditional investors get in, they consider it part of their portfolio rather as a completely alternative investment. Yeah, fits into their kind of holistic risk assessment. And so um, that's not necessarily that they're going to trade together, but it's just the correlations yeah. will rise and the diversification benefit uh, goes down. But um, be, I think because of the inherent volatility being higher still in crypto, there's still like that's part of it. Your diversification benefit comes from correlations as well as volatility differences. And crypto is just still inherently more volatile, which um, you know, not saying anything about the return potential, but that, that still does provide, provide a benefit. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, uh, before we go down another rabbit hole, we'll probably wrap this up. So thanks everyone for tuning in. It's great to talk to you, bud. You too. Have a good weekend. You too. See ya.